Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing today? Don't look down, man. Don't look down. We've been in this incredible series called Life Well Led, where we're looking at different leadership principles and uh, what's special to each of us on staff as we uh, learn how to live a life that is well-led. And this can be the influences that we put on ourselves, the influences that we put on those around us. But today we're going to be talking about the concept of what we focus on magnifies. Some you may have heard it as what we focus on becomes our reality or what we focus on expands. But I love that word magnifies because the word magnifies literally means to enlarge, to make it bigger, to make it seem bigger. And we look at this bumper video at all these different scenes from movie clips where they're being told to not look down. Why is it that we are told not to look down? Why is it that we tell other people not to look down? And, and uh, you know, of course, the first thing we do in those moments is we, we, we look down, which is usually a horrible, horrible thing to do. But we tell other people this because when you look down, your focus immediately is drawn to what could potentially happen if I fall? You know, you've ever been in that place before where maybe you're uh, doing like a high ropes course and everything is good. And the minute that you look down, your knees begin to shake, your body starts to sweat, you start to feel faint, you start to get a pit in your stomach and all this other stuff. That's why they say don't look down. It's because it takes our focus off of whatever it is that we're doing, whatever it is that we're focusing on, and it puts it on all the different things that can potentially go wrong. So we're going to be talking about what we focus on magnifies. We're going to look at what happens when we take our focus off of God and we start putting our focus on things like our fears and our insecurities. See, I'm a, I'm a worrier by nature. It's, it's built into my DNA. It's built into my blood. Uh, every situation, no matter what it is, my mind always goes to the worst case scenario situation. It drives my wife absolutely insane. I'm an over-preparer. I'm an overthinker. I love outdoor adventures. That's part of my life. I try to spend as much time outdoors as I possibly can, but if I can be honest with you, I freak myself out all the time thinking about all the things that could potentially go wrong. And the context for which my mentality exists is because most of the time, it's what happens. <laughs> I don't have great luck when it comes to things in the outdoors, even though I love spending all my time out there. I remember a couple of years back, I was in Cancun uh, with some friends of ours, and we had the opportunity to, uh, to, to get a, a, a canoe. Our, our, our place that we were staying on was on this really cool, like, man-made, like, canal, lagoon type thing, and so they brought us this canoe, and we were like, we're going to go canoeing. It's great. This canoe was not, listen, I'm telling you, this thing was not structurally sound, I'm calling it right. I've been in canoes. I know how to canoe. I've owned canoes. But the minute we got in this canoe, the whole thing started to do this right here, just shaking back and forth. And he's yelling at me. I'm yelling at him. He's like, you're not sitting still. You're moving too much. I'm like, no, nah, dude, it's the water that we're sitting in. Or we weigh too much. The whole thing is, and I'm yelling at him, and I'm pointing out all the things that could potentially go wrong and how we're going to fall in, and I'm trying to throw stuff out of the boat to try to make it lighter because maybe that's the reason why we're rocking back and forth. And the one thing I didn't think about is what would happen if we actually fell into the lagoon because it just, to me, looked like some clear water uh, with some rocks at the bottom of it. Not a big deal. We fall in. It's going to be funny. We're in our bathing suits anyway, so who cares, right? Inevitably, the whole thing tips over. I have all this on video. I tell you to go watch it, but I don't have social media anymore, so it's all gone. Uh, and it's just hiding in a secret spot where nobody else can find it. But it's hilarious. We flip this canoe over. Both of us go in. My feet's up in the air. 
And everything was fine, except for the fact that laying at the bottom of this lagoon were mangrove jellyfish. If you don't know what a mangrove jellyfish does, it lays dormant, usually attached to a rock or the, or the bottom of the water, and they don't move unless they're disturbed, and they're very, very small. Okay, so they just look like barnacle. They look like coral. They look like something, you know, like a plant at the bottom. You don't think anything about it, right? But the minute that they're disturbed, they begin to move, and they also begin to excrete this slime, apparently, that's incredibly painful and itchy and irritating and awful, okay? Which wasn't that big of a deal because we crawled out as fast as we could, and most of, the, of it washed off with the water as we're coming out of the water. But I had a bathing suit on, and it got trapped in my bathing suit. <laughs> and me and my buddy are looking at each other going, bro, you on fire right now? We had this outdoor shower in the, in the room that we were staying in. I, dude, I did not even care. I'm dropped trowel and I am gone. I, I, dude, it was the worst thing. And who would have thought that would have happened, right? I'm thinking that the worst thing that could happen is we'd flip over and we'd be in the water and we'd have to pull ourselves out. But no, there's stinking jellyfish at the bottom of this man-made. How'd they even get there is what I want to know. This isn't even like, it's like a pool, basically. Why are these there? I have a lot of questions. I also love to go outdoors. I love backpacking. My wife and I do a lot of backpacking outdoors where we go and we'll hike several days. We'll stay in tents. We carry everything. We're the, we're the crazy people with the 40-pound backpacks and the, you know, all that type of stuff. I love doing this, but I'm an overspender. I love gear. I love going to REI and dropping way too much money on every possible thing that I could need with backpacking. I get made fun of a lot because I have way too much in my backpack. But it's not that I just love to spend money on gear. It's that I'm an overthinker. I'm an overplanner, right? And so I have the bare mace. I have the bare can. I have the bare this. Because even though I've been backpacking a million times and I've never actually come across a bear, right, you might, you never know, man. You know, my wife asks me all the time, why do you need that? Because what if, what if something happens? What if the coyote comes out of the woods and in the middle of the night starts nibbling on the bottom of my feet? What am I going to do with the coyote? And she thinks I'm crazy, of course. But, <laughs> but, it gets us out of trouble sometimes. But not too long ago, a few months ago, we went backpacking in the Great Smokies, and uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was around March, and so it was still super, super cold. Like, it was getting down under, under 30s at night. It was well below freezing, um, and so we were all packed up, all planned up for it. We had, I bought every possible rain jacket, poncho, coat. I had all the rain stuff. Half my pack was filled with just rain gear, right? Because I'm like, if we get caught in the rain, which it was supposed to rain, if we get caught in the rain, that's going to be a bad day for everybody because we're going to catch hypothermia. We're going to die. There's no way for me to be able to dry out all these clothes. This is going to be awful. And so, you know, it's not raining. We get onto the trail. Everything's in my pack. We make it about a half a mile up the trail. We stop because I left the bear mace. Lord knows I'm not going any further without the bear mace because there are bears in the mountain. And even though I know they're more scared of me and all I have to do is make noises, my mind starts to travel. I start to think about all the bad things that can happen. So I'm like, forget this. I'm going to get the bear mace. It's about a half mile from the car. Okay. So I drop my pack. My wife sits down. She's, in the, she's sitting down. She's like, I'll just wait here for you. Right. So I get back to the car and the heavens open up and a torrential downpour, hurricane force winds, everything that you could ever just, it was awful, awful. And so I get back to her, and I, there's not a single part of me that's not soaked through to the bone, right? 
my base layer, my top layer, my, my, I had a jacket on that wasn't waterproof, well, water resistant, which I learned is not the same thing as waterproof. It's ridiculous. Why do I need a water resistant? Wait, am I going to just pour a cup of water on my arm? No, I'm wearing this because if I get caught in the rain, I need to be waterproof. There's, don't make water resistant. Just make it waterproof. But anyways, I'm soaked. And I didn't really say a whole lot. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine, right? So I took off the outer, outer layer and at least, you know, laid that out and put on a, I, I, you know, I did have a, another shirt and I, I kind of put that on, but the base layer was still soaked. Anyways, about two miles later up the path, y'all, I'm not okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. Uh, I've, not, I've, I've lost the ability to feel temperature at this point, which is a beautiful thing, but I've got just needles all over my arms, right? I'm starting to, to feel my breathing get different. I'm starting to feel a little bit delirious. And I looked at my wife and I said, babe, I think I might be going into potential hypothermia right now. Uh, we have to turn around. And we did. We had to turn around, go all the way back to the car, do the walk of shame, go back to a hotel room, and the next day try all over again. Thank God for the hotel and their big industrial dryer and letting us put all of our stuff into the dryer. I think about these things in my mind, all the things that can go wrong. I'm a worrier by nature. It comes from my family, my mom, which, Mom, if you're watching this morning, I'm going to throw you under the bus for a second. I promise you I don't mean anything by this. I love you. My mom... My mom is the classic warrior. My dad's this way too, my mom even more so. She just, it, 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 worst case scenario every, every single time. I used to have a canoe, back to canoes again. That's what I'm saying. I knew how to ride a canoe. That's not right. Ride a canoe, paddle a canoe. Anyways, I knew what I was doing. We had a canoe, and we used to go out a lot. My wife my, and my, my, my 10-year-old, or he was younger at the time, we used to go out and go fishing and go canoeing through all these different canals and stuff like that. And I remember she came to town one time, and, and uh, she goes, you know, you guys really need to stop going out in the canoe. I'm like, why? Like, why would I stop going? I love going out in the canoe. She goes, because listen, what if a snake falls out of a tree into your boat? People are telling me this has happened before, right? I'm like, mom, listen, if a snake falls out of a tree into my boat, bites me on the foot, and I die, it was my time to go. I'm not, it, I am not going to live my life in constant fear about snakes falling. But it, it's in my nature. It's who I am. It's what I always focus on. And what we focus on magnifies, right? What we focus on magnifies. They have this magnifying glass right here. And this is a pretty cool little thing, right? We use this. What, no, but does anybody really use a magnifying glass anymore? Chuck, listen, man. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> That's one word for it. Old, yep. So... Get this magnifying glass, and here's the cool thing about a magnifying glass, is it enlarges everything you put in front of it. So if I were to put it like this, and I were to talk to you guys, people watching online right now, right? If I were to talk to you through this magnifying glass, everybody's focusing on what right now? You're focusing on my mouth. If I were to put it up to my eye like this, and I were to look to every single one of you, you guys are all looking at my gigantic eye, looking back at you. The thing about a magnifying glass is that it, when you put it on something, it enlarges that thing. It makes it look way bigger than it actually is. But here's something else that it does, which is kind of interesting, is that it also blocks out everything else around it. You're no longer looking at anything else that's going on around it. All you're looking at is what's sitting there enlarged in front of your face, right? Think about a zit for a minute. <laughs> Got it in your head now, Dr. Pimple Popper? Think about a zit for a minute. So when I was a kid, my grandma had one of these really cool things. I, for me, I told my wife, I was like, hey, you remember back in the day when they had, she's like, that wasn't that long ago. Anyways, you remember those mirrors that were like on an accordion that pulled out from the wall in the bathroom? 
Anybody ever, your grandma have one, and maybe you had one of these things, right? It was like a, a vanity mirror for doing makeup and everything. And it had a mirror on one side, and when you flipped it over, it had a magnified mirror. Nobody needs that, by the way. You want to really talk about looking at yourself in a bad, bad way? Don't you see everything, y'all? And I remember I was about 12 years old, and I had this pimple on my face, right? It's right here. And I'm, I am, I'm, I'm so distraught over this pimple, right? And I remember I'm like, I'm just going to take a look at it. And I pulled this thing, pulled this thing out from the wall. And I look at it, and it's on the enlarged side. I'm like, ah! It looked like a mountain on my face, right? And that's all I could think about all day long was this gigantic mountain-sized pimple, which was probably literally just a little red spot on my face. But to me, because I saw it enlarged, I saw it gigantic, I could literally see the little white head on the top of it, which is way too much information for you guys, but now it's in your brain. I saw that, and it's all I could think about. We magnify these things, and it, we lose focus on what's going on around us. It doesn't actually make it bigger, it's just making it bigger to us, to what we see. You guys all have cell phones. Every one of you has a cell phone. If you have a cell phone, pull, pull it out. If it's, don't, don't look for it too, too hard, okay? Open your camera up for just one second and just put it on photo. Not video, not anything else. Put it on photo and just hold it up to maybe the head of the person sitting in front of you. Okay? Now, most of you guys, except for the few of you in here that are still using flip phones, God bless your soul, <laughs> push the button that says portrait mode for a second and hold it up to the same person's head. What happens? That head just got real focused, right? Don't look at their pimples. Don't look at that. But everything around it completely blurs out. For those of you who did not know you had this function on your phone, you're welcome. You are now a professional photographer. Congratulations. <laughs> Use the portrait mode. It makes, look, it makes everything look better. Why does it make everything look better? Okay, you can put your phones away so we don't... Y'all, I've distracted everybody in here. All right. The reason why we use the phone, the portrait mode, is that it puts in focus the object that we want to be in focus, right? So when we take a photo of somebody and we put them in the center of the portrait mode and it blurs out everything, what does it do? It brings that to life, right? It makes it look so much more vivid and so much more distinct and it brings that to life. But everything around it is blurred out. The same with a magnifying glass. When I hold this up to an object, all I see is the enlarged object and no part of me whatsoever is paying attention to what's going on around the magnifying glass. And it's amazing how sometimes something so small can completely block our vision. It's like taking a quarter and holding it up to the sun. If you hold it just right, you will block out the entire sun. Now that quarter is a billion, zillion times smaller than what an actual sun is. But you can block the whole thing out by holding up. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. We can take something negative, something negative, and let it completely consume our thoughts. What we focus on magnifies, and our focus, it has such a dramatic impact on our thoughts. It influences all of our thoughts. What we're focusing on is what we think about. So when I saw that gigantic zit in the magnifying glass, all I thought about the entire day was that gigantic zit because it became magnified to me. It's what I was focused on. See, there's this battle for your mind that's going on every single day. Our focus is being controlled constantly by what we consume in our bodies, what we consume visually, what we consume mentally. I mentioned a minute ago that I'm not on social media anymore. I left social media about seven months ago, and let me tell you why. Because I found myself constantly upset. 
I found myself constantly stressed out, constantly in fear, constantly angry about somebody else's problems. We play this comparison game where we look at everybody else's, you're looking at their highlight reels, guys. You're looking at their families. You're looking at their, their love life. You're looking at the adventures that they get to go on. You're looking at how somebody is way prettier than you are. It's in your mind, you think that, right? And we let that become our focus, and I found myself, just by sitting on my phone at times during the day and mindlessly thumbing and scrolling on social media, I found it controlling my thoughts and shifting my focus to places that were not good for me to be. We do the same thing with the news. You know, some of you guys like to just read news articles all day long, or you like to watch CNN or Fox News or whatever it is that you watch, and you consume yourself with all of these thoughts, and then what happens? Every time you go to Walmart, which, by the way, validated. Walmart's sketchy anyways. I need to change that about it, okay? But seriously, man, we consume all of this stuff. And I'm telling you what, the media is feeding it to you. It's feeding you fear. It's not telling you about, remember back in the day when you used to do news stories about like dog shows and things like that? They don't do that anymore. They don't talk about fun, happy stuff. What happened to the squirrel on jet ski or on skis, right? We don't talk about these things anymore. We look at the fear. We look at what's going on. We look at all the things that are negative in this world and they're being crammed down our throat. And everywhere we go, we're looking over our shoulders or we're planning about the worst case scenarios because of what we've consumed inside of our bodies. There's a battle for our mind and we're losing. If you grew up in church, there's this incredible story we're going to talk about this morning in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And it's interesting in this story, this is where someone other than Jesus walks on water. You know, we all know the story of Jesus walking on water. But in this particular story, this is when someone other than Jesus walks on water. The disciples, the 12 disciples are in a boat, and they're out in the middle of the sea, and the winds and the waves begin to, and a storm comes through. And, it, and Jesus, who had been over on the mountain praying, walks across the water out towards the boat. And then Peter, one of the disciples, Peter literally gets out of the boat and begins to walk to Jesus. And this really, really interesting thing happens. If we pick up Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 31, I want to read this in its context so you can help, it'll help bring this story to life. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, first of all, that's an interesting concept. I don't, can, you see, can you see wind? Right? Or maybe was Peter in a place right now where he was starting to see things that you're not really supposed to be able to see? Can you even see wind? But he changed his focus. The minute he started looking at the wind, he started looking at the waves, his focus completely changed. See, he was focusing on Jesus, and everything was going well. He was walking across, and as soon as he took his focus off of Jesus, I don't even need to read the rest of the story. You know exactly what's going to happen. But we pick up in verse 30. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith, 
he said, why do you doubt? And I started to think about Peter, and Peter wasn't really known for having little faith. I mean, to be fair, he's the only one that got out the boat and walked across the water. Nobody else did that, just Peter. So there's faith in and of itself that this guy is going to literally get out the boat and try to walk towards Jesus. But Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, focusing on the wrong thing can take someone of great faith and certainty and God's power and love and make them act like someone who doesn't even know that there's a God. It's amazing how in that moment his focus completely shifted away from what he was doing, what he was going towards. His focus was off of Jesus, and he began to look at all the things around him that could go wrong, and he began to sink. And I wonder how many times we do this. I wonder how many times our focus creates the reality around us. How many times do we let our focus distract us? I can't stand up paddleboard. I can't. I've tried a million times. I am like a baby giraffe on this thing, guys. Like, my knees are shaking, and I've got my paddle, and I'm trying to go, and everybody who's ever tried to teach me how to do this has just been like, dude, what the heck is wrong with you? Just stand up. Like, dude, I can't. My neck, my, and, I'm, and I'm wobbling, and, I'm, and there's no way I can ever, I can't get situated. I can't, my legs start to, to, to tremble, and, and I start to hurt everywhere because I'm so stiff, and I figured it out why. I'm terrified of the water. Anybody who knows me knows I don't like, I, I, like, I grew up swimming in rivers and lakes and all this other stuff, but at some point in my mind, this is the whole focus thing, right, I convinced myself that there's a million things under that water that I don't know is down there. And Lord knows if I fall off of this paddleboard, a couple things are going to happen. Number one, I'm definitely going to get eaten by a fish. I don't know what kind of fish, but I'm going to get, I've, I've read stories, I know what happens, I know, I've seen stinking Lake Placid, I know what the, the giant alligators that are living in these waters. These things are real, y'all. And if I fall off this paddleboard, for sure I'm going to get eaten by something. Or at best case scenario, something's going to nibble on my toe and I'm going to just die straight up. That's just what's going to happen. I'm not going to be okay. I'm terrified of the water. And so my mind is thinking, if I fall off this thing, guys, it was hard enough for me to get on the paddleboard from the shoreline and push out here, right? But if I fall off this paddleboard into this water, A, there's no way I'm getting back on this thing absolutely not going to happen. I'm going to have, it'll be, you don't want to see it. Me trying to crawl up on this thing and roll, there's no way, right? So I'm not going to get back on. Something's going to definitely eat me or sting me or bite me or something like that. And my fear, what I'm focusing on, the wind or the, or the water and the waves and everything around me is keeping me just completely stiff. I went paddleboarding with Pastor Steve one time and he got so mad at me. Oh, he was so mad because he had his own board, and we were going against the current, which, which he's up there just doing this, you know, just this beautiful little shoo, shoo, and I'm back there just going, and I'm just digging, digging, and I'm going nowhere, absolutely nowhere, and he's 100 yards ahead of me. He's yelling at me, you're just, just, just got a paddle, man. I'm like, I'm trying everything I can. I'm not going anywhere. And it's because my focus is not on what it needs to be. I'm not focusing on where I need to go. I'm focusing on all the things that can happen to me around this. You ever watch a tightrope walker before? You ever watch one of those crazy things where the tightrope walker walks across like the Grand Canyon and there's no safety nets, right? You ever watch a tightrope walker? What do they do? Their eyes are completely straight ahead. They're focused. They're stoic. They're not moving. They are a statue. They're holding on to that little bar and they are one foot every step meticulously calculated one foot in front of the other, and they never take their focus off. Think of all the things that could go wrong in that scenario, right? Like if you fall off into the Grand Canyon, 
You're dead. There's no, there's no other scenario here. There's, this is, and imagine like if they were to, for one second, take their eyes off and look down, what that might do for their balance, what that might do for their focus, right? But they don't. And there's a reason why they don't. All those video clips, the reason why we tell people don't look down is because we know if you look down, it takes your focus off of what you're trying to do, and your entire reality begins to shift. Your entire thought process begins to shift. Our focus creates our reality. See, focusing on the wind and the waves can be completely dangerous. When we begin to focus on the wind and the waves, like we see with Peter, it can be so, so dangerous. And we may not be sinking, you and I may not be sinking in literal water right now, but we are definitely sinking sinking into a deep, dark place where we become consumed by our negative thoughts. You may not be sinking into the water, but you are definitely sinking By taking your focus off of Jesus, taking your focus off of the peace and the joy that we have through him, you begin to sink. And here's some of the seas that we're sinking into. You're sinking into a sea of discouragement. You're sinking into a sea of anger, of fear, of anxiety, of depression. All of these things are are literally the seas that you are sinking into every single time that you take your focus off of Jesus. Romans 8 verse 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That word death, it's so easy for us to focus on that word and think of literally the end of life, right? But perhaps if we shifted our mentality a little bit and we begin to look at it differently, that it's not a physical death we're talking about here, but it's a mental death. It's a death here on earth as we're living every day. It's a place of no hope. It's a place of no purpose, a place of brokenness, a place of of no peace, of anxiety, of broken relationships, of darkness, emptiness, nights of anxiety, of staying awake at night, traps of temptation, of guilt, of shame. These are the death that we're living in every single day as we begin to sink further and further and further the more that we keep our focus off of Jesus. We have to switch our focus. We have to switch our mentality. Nothing in our life, nothing is going to change until we do that. So here's a few of the the seas that you may be sinking into. Some of us in this room are sinking every day into a sea of insecurity. It's the if only, if only I had abs. Sorry, sweetie. If only I looked like the comparison game, right? We see all these models and we see all these things on social media. It ain't real, but we compare ourselves. If only I were more like that person, if I were only I were more like her, if only I were more like him, nobody likes me, nobody will ever love me, I will never find a relationship. If only, if only, if only, and we play ourselves into this sea of insecurity and we're sinking, we're sinking, we're sinking. And here's what we gotta do, we got to get rid of everything that makes you feel bad about you. Get rid of everything in your life that makes you feel bad about you. For me, it was social media. For me, it was sitting every day and comparing myself to everybody else around me and how my thoughts don't line up with their thoughts and the way I think doesn't line up. The way. Get rid of it. 
Throw it out. If you're in a toxic relationship with somebody who makes you feel like less of a person, that somehow you will never be able to do better than them, and you are trapped in that, and you're sitting in that sea of toxic insecurity, get rid of it. Walk away from it. I promise you, there is life on the other side of whatever it is that you are dealing with. You have to win this battle in your mind. You have to stop asking what others believe about you and start believing what God believes about you, what God says about you. He says things like, you are beautiful. He says things like, you are a son or a daughter of Christ, of a king. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. You are loved and you have value. Focus on the things that God says about you. Remove the thoughts of what other people think about you. It is not important. There's also this sea of torturous thoughts that you might be sinking into. And I use that word torturous as a strong word, but we're talking about things like anger, bitterness, fear. How many of us lay awake at night dreading the next day because we're afraid of what might happen? How many of us lay awake at night completely angry and bitter over someone that we can't let go of this grudge, we can't let go of this hurt, we can't let go of these hang-ups that we have on these people, and we let it consume our thoughts, and our torturous thoughts keep us awake at night. What battle is it that you're constantly fighting in your mind? What is it that keeps you awake at night? Who, are, you know, who or what are you terrified of right now? What is it that just makes your stomach turn? Who or what are you angry at that you just need to let go of? A sea of torturous thoughts. And some of us are sinking into a sea of regret. This is a tough one. This is when you lay awake at night and you start asking the what if questions or the I should have questions. I should have been a better parent today. I should have spent more time with my son when he came to me and asked me to play with him. I should have been a better husband today. I should have been more sympathetic to my, to my, to my wife and the things that she's going through. I should have went to college. I should have pursued my dream. I should have, I hate my job. I hate what I do. I should have pursued something different. I should have repaired that relationship. I shouldn't have let them go. I should have fought harder and I didn't. And I'd be willing to bet that almost everybody in here every single night lives in a sinking sea of insecurities, of regrets, and of torturous thoughts. And if any of these sound familiar to you, some of us are used to living in death so much that we forgot what life feels like. So how do you win this battle? How is it that you win this battle for your focus, for your thoughts? Because the wind and the waves are always going to be there. You can't snap your fingers and just hope they disappear. They're always going to be there. We look at Hebrews chapter 12. This is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. I use this a lot. It means a lot to me. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we combat this? We fix our eyes on Jesus. 
What was it that Peter did wrong? He took his eyes off of him. He started to look at the wind and the waves. But see, what's interesting about that story in Matthew is that Peter in that moment understood, regardless of what was going on, he understood that the safest place that he could possibly be was with Jesus. Think about this for a minute. He's in a boat, and yes, there's wind and there's waves, and it's probably terrifying out there. I'm guessing this little fishing boat was probably not that big, but at least he's in a boat. At least he's on something dry. But in that moment, what did he do? He knew that the safest place to be was with Jesus, and so he began to walk out to Jesus. Jesus is standing on the water. He's not protected by a boat. He's not protected by four walls. He's not protected by any of these things. He's just standing there, but Peter knew the safest place in that moment was to be with Jesus. And some of us have taken our focus off of Jesus, and we are so busy looking at the winds and the waves around us, and we're beginning to sink. Again, there will always, always be Wind and waves, always. Those are not going away. But you know what? There will always be Jesus. And we get the opportunity every single day to choose which one we're going to focus on. To choose which one we're going to set our vision on, that we're going to put our thoughts on, that we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on Jesus. And as long as we're doing that, the wind and the waves can just be there. They're not going anywhere. They're still going to be there. But we win this battle for our minds. We win this battle for our focus and for our thoughts by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Joy and hope and peace starts with winning that battle, winning that battle for your focus. And so I wonder what it would be like if we put our focus on God above everything else. You know, what if when, we st- when staring at those winds and those waves, we remember the things that God has done for us, the blessings in our life? We remember those moments. See, there was a moment before Peter started to sink that he was walking on the water. It was happening. And in an instant, he forgot. In an instant, he forgot about what God had already done, what Jesus had already done in his life, and he started to focus on the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. It's amazing how we look at our past, right? We choose to dwell on all these things that went wrong. And the thoughts that keep us awake at night are not the thoughts of of joy. They're not the thoughts of, of how much I had fun yesterday, right? If you have those thoughts, you sleep well at night because you're in a good place. The thoughts that keep us awake at night are these thoughts of regret, these insecure thoughts, these torturous thoughts, the regret of the past and the fear of the future. So we combat this by focusing on Jesus. Focus on what he says about you. Forget what everybody else has to say about you. Focus on what he says about you. Focus on the promises that he made for you. There's always going to be wind and waves, but there will always, always be Jesus. And my question for you this morning is, where will you put your focus? Will you join me as we pray? God, I thank you for everything that you're doing. I thank you for a constant reminder that you are in control. That, Father, no matter what this world can throw at us, no matter what sea we're walking through, no matter what the wind and the waves are doing, no matter how terrifying it may seem, that, God, you are in control. And that we have absolutely nothing to fear. God, allow us to put our focus on you. God, allow us to put our attention on you. Allow us to block out, to hold the magnifying glass up and put you right in the center to where everything else around us begins to move out of focus and we have tunnel vision for you, God. Remove the insecure thoughts. Remove the torturous thoughts. Remove the regretful thoughts. 
Remind us over and over again that you are a God that works miracles, that you've done it before, that you'll do it again. And when the moment comes that we feel ourselves sinking, that you're there, God, to pull our focus back to you and raise us up. We pray all this in your name this morning. Amen.